Yale Podcast Network. Hello, I'm Lucy Kessler, a Master's of Environmental Management candidate at the Yale School of Forestry and Environmental Studies, and I'm pleased to welcome Zach Wendling to the studio today. Zach is a postdoctoral associate at the Yale Center for Environmental Law and Policy. He has a PhD in public affairs from the School of Public and Environmental Affairs at Indiana University Bloomington, where he focused on environmental policy and policy analysis. Zach is the principal investigator for the Environmental Performance Index, and he joins me today to discuss the 20th anniversary report, which was just released a few weeks ago in Davos, Switzerland at the World Economic Forum. So thanks so much for joining us today, Zach. Thanks. I'm glad to be here. Great. Um, So first, I just want to start out by asking you to describe for us the Environmental Performance Index. So what does it do? All right. Well, the Environmental Performance Index, or the EPI, is a global scorecard where we take every country that we can find data on and we rank them top to bottom in how they're doing in protecting their environment in the areas of human health and ecosystem vitality. Uh, I like to compare it to like a grade point average. Okay. We take 24 different individual metrics of what you can say about a, how a country is protecting its environment, and we condense it down to a single score on a 0 to 100 scale. Then we have 180 countries in the 2018 EPI, and they're ranked from top to bottom wow. to see how you're doing compared to your peers. Okay. Do you have some examples of the metrics? Like- sure. Uh, our, our two major areas that we like to focus on are human health, because primarily uh, we're concerned with the public health a- aspect mm-hmm. of pollution, but we're also interested in knowing how ecosystems are doing. So within human health, we have things like air quality, um, water and sanitation, as well as heavy metals. And then we can break those down even further to have very granular level understanding of what kind of pollution people are being exposed to and what their health outcomes are. Mm -hmm. So, for instance, we have uh, measures of exposure to particulate matter at 2.5 microns, Mm -hmm. which is highly correlated with other pollutants and is very injurious to human health uh, at a number of different um, diseases they could be suffering from. Hmm. Uh, On the ecosystem services side, we do things like um, what's the rate of tree cover loss in your country? So deforestation, we know, is a problem. How well are you doing at protecting uh, important ecosystems through establishing protected areas? Mm-hmm. And then uh, we also look at emissions of different air pollutants, including greenhouse gases. Okay. Wow. So it sounds like it's very comprehensive. Right. We have 24 individual metrics, which uh, are attempting to get at what are the most important threats to the environment that we're facing as a world. Mm-hmm. And then is that a weighted average or something? Of the- exactly. Yeah. Just like you would have in a class, your different assignments are weighted differently in your final score. Mm-hmm. We do a similar process when making the composite index. Okay. So tell us who scored at the top of the list and who didn't do so well. Okay. So for the 2018 EPI, the top five are Switzerland, France, Denmark, Malta, and Sweden. So uh, about like we do expect, these are wealthy democracies Mm -hmm. that have done historically a good job of implementing policies to help clean up their environments. Right. Uh, The other end, you have uh, countries who have a lot of room for improvement. Mm -hmm. So at the bottom five, you have Nepal, India, the Democratic Republic of Congo, Bangladesh, and Burundi. So Burundi was at the bottom. Absolutely, yeah. 
And uh, these countries, they face a number of significant challenges as they're developing in the developing world. Uh, their economies are growing. Hopefully, we hope that they develop in ways that are friendly to the environment, and the EPI can help focus their attention on where their most pressing problems are. Yeah. So besides just the top five and the bottom five, you can see some general trends yeah, great. about how different regions of the world. Uh, like I said, you know, if you're a big, wealthy democracy, for a number of reasons, you're going to be at the top. Uh, we see all of Western Europe and some selected Asian countries within the top 27. And then we have sub-Saharan Africa really clustering at the bottom. Mm -hmm. So one of the insights we take away from this is that governance matters, uh, level of development matters, and how much of your public policy is focused on protecting human health and the environment uh, can really make a difference into, over time, what kind of threats you've been experiencing and overcoming. Right. So it might be hard to have overview, like general takeaways, since there are 24 metrics. But did you see any general trends for, say, deforestation or air quality? or? So others? one of the things that really pulls countries down in the rankings is the heavy weight that we've given to air quality mm. as it affects human health. Uh, the data show that among all the environmental risks that people face, about two-thirds of all diseases and uh, disabilities and deaths come from air quality issues. Wow. It's a prevalent problem, so we gave it a very heavy weight. And that's why you see countries like India falling to the bottom of the rankings. Mm -hmm. um, has that not been as much of an issue for a country like China? I'd expect that air quality would have pulled their ranking down as well. Right. We also see that China faces significant challenges in this area, uh, along with other places in Asia. So, yeah, among the, um, the poor performers, uh, we can really see some issues jumping out at us where they deserve to make some priorities and, and, and try to tackle them. Mm -hmm. Interesting. Uh, I noticed that the United States was ranked 27th on the index. And so I'm curious, can you talk a little bit about what factors contributed to that poor score? Okay. Well, people here were 27th, and they're usually pretty surprised or, or, or pleasantly happy with how we place. Out of 180 countries, 27th sounds pretty good. But it's also at the very back of the pack of all the rich industrialized countries. Certainly within the peer group of Western Europe and North America, we rank 22nd out of 20, 22 countries. Uh, and it follows from that. If you look at just like the G7, we're also at the back of the pack there. So while the United States, like other um, wealthy countries, has done very well at addressing things like public health issues, getting people access to sanitation and clean drinking water, and doing a great job of cleaning up the air quality through things like the Clean Air Acts, we're still falling behind in things like deforestation, but most notably greenhouse gas emissions. Mm. Compared to other wealthy countries, we're not declining as fast as we could be based upon what we know about um, mitigation efforts. Mm -hmm. Interesting. So that it was the greenhouse gas performance mm -hmm. that is what pulled them down in the ranking. Right. That's one of the issues where the U.S. does not look very good mm -hmm. on a world stage, certainly not compared to their peers. Yeah. Intuitively, that makes sense as well. <laughs> um, are there other takeaways that you can glean from the report um, or other observations, such as why certain countries fell in the ranks or did better? So um, when we talk about falling in the ranks, there are two ways to look at performance over time. 
One that we don't suggest is going back to the 2016 or the 2014 EPI and, and comparing it to those because our methodology changes. Okay. Every two years, we incorporate new metrics, put new weights on the data, and, and try to be more methodologically sophisticated. So as part of the 2018 EPI, what we've done is we've released an EPI score based on the most recently available data. So that is your main score. And then we also have a baseline score. So we go back 10 years and we find the data from 10 years ago. And we apply our 2018 methodology to that to see what your score would have been mm. and what kind of changes we can see over time. Uh, the people at the top are pretty much have been at the top for a while. So you don't see a lot of movement there. But what you see is some movement in the middle. And there's some real success stories like Seychelles. Seychelles is a sub-Saharan African country, small island state, faces a lot of challenges, but they've made a real commitment to improving their environmental quality and have moved up compared to where they were 10 years ago. Hmm. It's especially true for things like climate change, and it highlights the real role that international cooperation can play in this. Small island states and developing countries need assistance from the developed world in order to help move away from uh, carbon-intensive economies. And they're really an exemplar of what can be what can be achieved through um, commitments on the part of policymakers and other stakeholders to improving environmental quality. Well, that's so interesting. Um, since this is the 20th anniversary of the EPI, I'm wondering, have you been able to track any impact from the Environmental Performance Index over time? Um, have you seen this influence policies in certain countries? Um, going forward? Yeah, that's a great question. Uh, 20 years ago, the EPI was created because there was a real lack of data measuring environmental performance. And this was seen as something that was really hindering being able to bring a lot of analytical rigor to the field. Mm -hmm. And we didn't want to be relying on anecdotes or hunches. So just as we have GDP to help measure economic performance and, and progress, they wanted a similar metric that could help us understand the environment. Hmm. So it took them uh, a while to get GDP calculated correctly. They're still making adjustments. And so the, the EPI is really trying to help fulfill a similar niche. So we can see generally that environmental policymaking has become more data-driven and that international agreements like the Sustainable Development Goals have really put measurement and data at the center of what they're going to be doing to understanding where countries are doing better and how we can prioritize issues that need to improve. And to some extent, the EPI has been part of that major push. Now, we've also had a lot of positive feedback from countries that have been concerned when their EPI score didn't match what their perceptions were of where they were doing environmentally. Mm -hmm. uh, I'll give you a few examples. Uh, Mexico. Uh, was inspired by the EPI to take a more data-driven approach to their environmental quality, uh, not just at the national level, but also at the federal level among the different Mexican states. Uh, Singapore scored very poorly one year with regard to their uh, water quality and their water system. And uh, really as a matter of necessity and in order to improve their ranking, Singapore undertook a massive renovation of their water system hmm. and now has a world-class water reclamation and recycling program, uh, whereas before they had to import water from their neighbors. Uh, now they're at a level of self-sufficiency because they do such a, a, a fantastic job 
of making sure that their wastewater is treated and recycled properly. Interesting. Uh, I'd say South Korea would also be a great example of mm-hmm. a country that took a low ranking seriously as uh, a wake-up call for what they need to be doing with their air quality and inspired them, I think, probably in a longer term to make a large investment of political capital and investments of uh, monetary investment in understanding their air quality. So they have a new air quality monitoring system that is key to understanding what their problems are and whether or not their policies are effective in addressing them. Okay, interesting. That's so cool. So it's not just an academic exercise. The EPI is really applicable and tangible for a lot of countries in helping formulate and shape policy, it sounds like. Absolutely. I mean, um, I think one of the real strengths of the, of the EPI is that it's released at the World Economic Forum, mm-hmm. which is a meeting place between a lot of different stakeholders. Mm-hmm. We're not speaking just to an academic audience, but rather taking the latest research and data that come from academia and governments, and translating it into policy-relevant information. So in some sense, the EPI itself is a communications tool. Hmm. It's helping policymakers to understand what are the, what's the state of the environment yeah. and starting important conversations about where we need to move forward. So I know that the Environmental Performance Index is part of the Yale Center for Environmental Law and Policy, but I also understand you guys have other partners. So who are you working with on this? Well, since the beginning, we've been working in a collaboration with the Center for International Earth Science Information Network, which is a part of the Earth Institute at Columbia University, and also in collaboration with the World Economic Forum. We also rely on a wide array of experts from different research universities around the world, Mm -hmm. including University of British Columbia, University of Maryland, the World Resources Institute, the Institute for Health Metrics and Evaluation, among many others. So this is a real way of drawing together a broad level of expertise from world-class institutions. Wow. Sounds like quite the uh, group of partners. Absolutely. How can our listeners um, learn more about the EPI? How how can they check out the scores? Well, we have a website, epi.yale.edu. That will take you to the 2018 EPI, where we have a narrative report that explains the metrics in greater detail as well as our methodology and our analysis and, and findings. We also have a great commitment to transparency so that anyone can come along and use our data, find out where we got it, see how we've treated it, and recognize that maybe our decisions about how to analyze this, our weighting scheme, if you have a disagreement, it's all there for you to download and analyze yourself. Interesting. So this is really helping out uh, other researchers who'd also like to come along and do their own analyses of the underlying data. Absolutely. Great. Well, thank you so much, Zach. This has been very interesting, and I really appreciate you teaching us more about the EPI today. Thanks, Lucy. It's been a lot of fun.